like to be lost to Jesus. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that victory belongs to Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. We thank you, Father, that you have called us by your mercy and grace to make us your sons and daughters. And this is not the work of man, but this is the work of your own choosing. We thank you, Father, that we are privileged with this grace that was given to us according to Paul and Timothy before time began. We thank you, Father, that we were a part of your story before the creation of the world. We know that these things are beyond our understanding, but we pray, Father, by your spirit that you will continue to give us, give us glimpses, Lord, of, of your grace to us that none of us could have prayed enough for, could have asked for, but it was something that you do to us, beyond us. May this kind of gospel grace melt our hearts, bind us together in these um, unwavering times that we would not um, faint, become faint-hearted in these um, stormy times and seasons that we're living in. We pray that we, as we see the days getting evil and evil, that we will continue to to get closer and closer to you and to each other as a community of faith, that we will take our cues from you and from your word. Come now by the power of the Holy Spirit and grant me the preaching, teaching power that I don't have in my own strength, but it comes as a gift given to me by your grace. You give gifts and callings to each of us, and you have given me the gift of teaching, preaching, for exhortation, so that your people may hear your voice through your word. Lord, come now, untie my tongue, my thoughts from afar, bring syllabus, words, phrases, consonants, and anything else that you would want, that it would be edifying to your people now. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand to your feet and let's read from Romans chapter 15. We're getting close to the end. Um, Roman has been guiding us for the last couple of years and it's been very timely, very uh, helpful in us in these um, times of great hostility. And so I pray today that this will encourage you all the more. Here we are, Romans 15. Paul says, my brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you also are full of goodness and filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, I have written to remind you more boldly on some points because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, serving as a priest of the gospel of God. God's purpose is that the Gentiles may be an acceptable offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God. For I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed for the obedience of the Gentiles. By the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit 
As a result, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named so that I would not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. The grass withers and the flower fades. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible that we read here every Lord's Day, which is a good thing, consists of 66 books written by 40 different authors that name um, from a variety of backgrounds. They come from a variety of backgrounds. Some were shepherds, fishermen, doctors, kings, prophets, and others. God used all kinds of people to write his word as the spirit of God superintended over it. And these 66 books were written over a period of 1500 years. And most of these authors never knew one another personally. They didn't know each other. Moses never knew Paul. Paul knew of Moses, but they never met. Not on this side. In the heaven above, when they're looking over the banks of heaven, they're probably giving a high five. I say, guys, give a high five. Pray for me. But they didn't know each other. No one, none of the apostles had met David in the flesh. And so over a period of 1,500 years, 40 authors, they didn't know one another. And the Bible was written in three different languages. Dion is in seminary and him and Noah, and they're taking this. It's called Hebrew. And the other language was called Aramaic. And then the other one in the New Testament was called Greek. But when you're reading the Bible, you have to pull back sometimes. And this would be good for you. I know it's good for me. And this is what I'm really trying to bring into view here for today. And I did last week. You have to see the panoramic view, which is of what the Bible is saying overall. It's a story. It's, a, it's really, uh, we just did a marriage yesterday. It's really a, a story about a marriage. A father, a groom, who um, his bride has got contaminated and he has come to reclaim his bride. And so that's why you don't want to mess with the marriage system and the foundation because the Bible as a whole is really about a great marriage. That's why you see in Revelation 19, you see what they call the great supper of the lamb. All of the brides will be there. We will be there and we'll get to see our groom. And, and who knows how somebody asked me last week, well, how do you think Jesus looks? I don't know how he looks. But what I do know, I just want to see his eyes. <laughs> Something about the eyes is a window to the soul. If you see Jesus' eyes, you're going to see full of love and grace. And you can like, man, I messed up so many times. I denied you so many times. But when you see his eyes. Oh, you're going to ball at the table. We all mascara are going to be messed up. It ain't going to matter what kind of makeup you got on that day. Whether you got it from Macy's or whoever, it's all going to melt. <laughs> I'm going to be crying with you. Me and anyway, we're going to be crying. Strong, buffy guys, you know, Hercules crying. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who take away the sins of the world. 
will be there. But we do need to pull back and see this panoramic view, which means the, the big overall unfolding redemptive plan of God. This is just what I'm calling this part of the sermon series, because it helps us to see where everything is headed. You know, sometimes you see all these floods and storms and market up and down, grocery stores short of food. Just like sometimes like, man, where's all of this headed? Just tired of just this virus and this pandemic and this nuclear. Russia's got this kind of bomb and a Taliban. It's like, where's all of this headed? And to understand, we need to understand that where everything is headed. And then to understand what is the goal of this gospel of God that Paul is calling it in a broken, sinful world. God has given to us in the book of Romans, Paul is calling it the gospel of God. What's his goal in this broken and sinful world? Where I had, um, Tan was supposed to read it because well, we, we didn't have live worship, but Patrick read it um, um, from Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66, verse 18 to 22, we get to see kind of the summary of where everything is headed. What's the goal of all of this? Where Paul says, where Isaiah says that um, knowing their works and their thoughts, I have come together all nations, plural, all nations and languages, not some people, but all people from all the nations and all the languages. And they will come and see my glory. God is always about his glory. And I will establish a sign among them. And I will send survivors from them to the nations, to Tarsus, to Put, to Lud, who are archers, to Tubal, to Javan, and the coasts and the islands far away, who have not heard about me, the Gentiles, and seen my glory. And they will proclaim, the Gentiles, my glory among the nations. And they will bring all your brothers from all the nations as a gift to the Lord on horses and chairs and litters and on the mules and camels to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says the Lord. And just as the Israelites bring an offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord, I will also take some of them as priests and Levites, says the Lord. For just as the heavens and the new earth, which I will make, will remain before me. This is the Lord declaration. So your offspring and your name will remain. Verse 23, then God says, and all humanity will come to worship me from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, says the Lord. And as they leave, they will see the dead bodies. This is key of those who have rebelled against me. I know we don't hear this, but there is a judgment to come. This is why um, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but I know we don't like to talk about judgment, but as you read in this, you're like, huh? Dead bodies? <laughs> what kind of God are we serving? God is not missing words here. 
those who have rebelled against me. For their warm will never die. Their fire will never go out and they will be a horror to all humanity. The Hebrew word here, rebel, is pasha. In verse 24, it means to break from authority. All human rebellion is nothing but breaking from the ultimate authority that we have talked about from Romans 13. God sits high and looks low, but he is the ultimate authority. He has set the parameters and the principles and the rules for his earth, for his creation. But humans get up every morning. Got Tupac on the mind. <laughs> I'm going to do what I doubt what that will want to do. <laughs> they don't have any intentions of trying to submit to the authority of the one who gives them breath in their lungs. So this Greek, this Hebrew word, Pasha, it means to break from authority to be in open defiance of, of an authority, to behave as a criminal, one who is disloyal. We see here God will, will bring judgment to them and all of those who have come to worship him for who he is will see it and it will be in horror to all of humanity. Isaiah says, but in our text today, Apostle Paul, he understands this plan of God. And he views himself in this story of God as a minister by the grace of God, serving as a priest of the gospel of God. Carl, you can put um, Romans 15 back up, verse um, um, yeah. It says, Paul says um, in verse 16, Paul, well, I started verse 15. Paul says, nevertheless, I have written to remind you, talking to the Romans, you more boldly on some points because of the grace given to me by God. It's always grace. We are who we are, what we are by the grace of God. So Paul is saying, you know, I, I, I have been made a minister to you of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, a servant. Paul says, I've been I've been caught up to be a minister of the Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Then he says, serving as a priest of the gospel of God. God's purpose is that the Gentiles. He's made a priest. Minister, servant to the Gentiles, Paul says. Notice what he's not saying. This is where sometimes in this grand narrative of understanding the unfolding redemptive plan of God, Paul understands it. He's, he's, he's a minister of the grace of God. Paul is not saying here that he's, he's, he's not focused on being a multimillionaire. He's, he's not, if that happens, but Paul says, I'm not focused in on that. We have a short life to live. You have to keep reminding people, no money goes in the ground. If it does, there will be some thieves and robbers out there the next day. Trying to get into your casket as it's in the earth. 
So Paul said he's not focused on being a multimillionaire. He's not chasing after worldly status and achievements. Paul says, but he is single minded on doing his part in the unfolding redemptive plan of God, which is what he says, which is proclaiming the gospel of God to the Gentiles. The gospel of God is the good news about what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, by providing a way for us to be saved from what? From our sins. The rebellion that's, that's rest in all of our hearts. Paul says that gospel of God is both to the Jews and Gentiles. The word sin, which we don't hear in a lot of our churches, um, but the word sin, according to the Westminster Catechism, is, means is not being or doing what God requires. Man, how many of us have done everything that God requires? You would probably say, I haven't done anything God requires. Well, that's sin. So you just honor <laughs> your mother and father. Well, most of us around here do that. Um, love our neighbors as you love yourself. Right? Some of y'all say, ah. <laughs> She's like, hey, Pastor, you already messing with me. You ain't got 10 minutes in the sermon. <laughs> you love all people? That's some people? <laughs> Now you're really messing with me, Pastor. <laughs> man, you want to get folks really mad. Man, you love Republicans and Democrats. Now folks will start pulling out their guns. <laughs> like, man, we fall so far from God's glory just in first two, three letters, man. I give up, God. I'm already in the first commandment. I've already got idols and all kinds of stuff in my house. <laughs> I'm breaking the law. So, Sin is not doing what God requires. It's not, and we all do sin because we don't always do what God requires. But nothing except the gospel received by faith will make people, as Paul says, be an acceptable offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. There is nothing in this world Nothing. There is no self-help. There is no book. There is no Oprah Winfrey show. I don't care how many conferences you go to. I don't care how many Zoom meetings you do. If Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, is not in that story, I don't care how many times they tell you three ways to get your money up. <laughs> Ten days to get you rich and famous. You see them things on Facebook. If you believe this, pass it on to your neighbor. What is that? Can somebody help me out with that? Say this and you're going to be rich. There's going to be a pile of money in your backyard. I mean, man, and you believe this. Folks actually believe this. You know, you can actually get on your phone and call somebody and say, hey, look, my name is Sunny Sunshine. Sunny Sunshine. So what do you want, Sunshine? Well, today I, I want to believe you send me $100 to this bank account. By Friday, you will have $100,000. You'd be surprised how that works. <laughs> Folks actually believe that. Like, yeah. I only got 110, so let me send him the 100 and see if it works. <laughs> and actually give their bank account over the phone line to somebody. It will not work. It will not make your life better. It will not give you any credit with God. The only thing, go back to here, that will 
Paul says, he has been called to proclaim the gospel of God to the Gentiles. Verse 16, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, serving as a priest of the gospel of God. God's purpose is that the Gentiles may be an acceptable offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. The only thing that's going to get people acceptable to God and sanctified by the Holy Spirit is the gospel of God being proclaimed to them and received by faith. Please stop believing all the hocus pocus gospels out there. You do this, you do that, and you will have right standing with God. If Jesus Christ is not in it, it will not be acceptable offering. And Paul is using this statement here. It should be familiar to you because we've been using it a lot. It's really coming from Romans 12, 1. When Paul says, in view here of, of, of the statement that he just made, in view, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of them, what? Last week, of the mercies of God to the Gentiles, that they will glorify God. It's always God's mercy. Because if God never sent his mercy, we're all in trouble. In view of God's mercies, Paul says, Mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies here as a living sacrifice, an offering, holy and pleasing to God. This is, Paul says, it's your true worship. That is your true worship, brothers and sisters, which Isaiah 66, 20 points to the fulfillment of that when it says they will bring all your brothers from all the nations as a gift to the Lord on horses and chariots in litters and on mules and camels to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the Israelites in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. Well, the unfolding redemptive plan of God is that the gospel of the kingdom be proclaimed in all the world and to every nation. And then the end will come. Matthew 24, 14. That's where we're at. The unfolding redemptive plan of God is that the gospel of the kingdom be proclaimed in all of the world and to every nation, every tongue, every tribe. This is why people are working overtime giving them money to get the gospel out to everybody. And then Jesus says, and then the end will come. Matthew 24, 14. The book of Romans um, says that the gospel of God starts with the Jews and then the Gentiles. Those of us who are non-ethnic Jewish, people of Hebrews, Israelites, who are being grafted in according to Romans eleven twenty five. Now, we skipped chapter 11, so this is my first slide, my only slide here tonight. Um, maybe if I get some time, you know, we have a building, we can get to it. It's, you know, me and Ashley, we talk about this stuff all the time. And this is, a, if you just want to get your mind stretched, read Romans 9, 10, 11. I'm talking about it'll stretch your mind. If you just want your mind to be stretched, go read this. <laughs> if you want you guys to say, man, I think I can figure out this great mystery, what God is doing. But this is one of those verses that that tonight is just helping you understand where this unfolding plan is. It says here, Paul is, is argument here about how, what God has done with the Jews, ethnic Jews. 
Jesus came among to his own people. Jesus was a Jewish man. He had a Jewish beard. If you would have saw Jesus, he would have looked just like any Jewish man of his day. He didn't look, he didn't look like, you know, what you see in those pictures like them Hollywood guys. No, those are pretty boys. I don't know what they are. <laughs> hey, I knew he didn't look like that. <laughs> you know, no, he, was, he looked like a Jewish guy. But Paul is making this argument in, in Romans, you know, about the, the ethnic Jews and what's going on with them. And then he drops this text in there. This is one of the that R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur, and all the greats, John Calvin, they just look at it and say, man, what is God trying to do? Well, this is what he starts off with by saying this. I don't want you to be ignorant. Paul's telling these Romans, um, uh, Gentiles, first of all, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the mystery. This is a great mystery around this. Brothers and sisters, so that you would not be conceited. He said, now, now that you received the mercy of God, don't start beating your chest too fast. Pump your brakes. <laughs> God said, Paul says, you know, these Gentiles are in there now, man. We're like, man, we better. You know, it's amazing. People get God's grace and they all in the man think they're better than the next person. Hey, why, is, why is that? It just shows you something about the human heart. You get saved. God blesses you, get you a house, a car, and a job. A year into, you walking around with your nose so high up in the air that the airplanes can't even fly under it. How, why is that? This is why God has to go very slow with us. He's just like, I'm just trying to minimize the pride. People get grace and they just go berserk. So Paul said, don't, you won't need to be conceited. He says, there is a partial hardening has come upon Israel, ethnic Israel, until what? What's the rest say? That's what's happening. That's Matthew 28. Until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. Only God knows his number of all the nations. When he last baby born, that's a Gentile, that's of God's elect. God said, it's it. <laughs> Whatever happens after that, I don't know. <laughs> but that is what is happening. There's been a dullness of some kind that has come upon ethnic Jewish people. This is why the average Jew in the world, they're not believers in the Messiah. People's like, what? <laughs> They're just like, it, I mean, it's, it's right in front of them. But for some reason, I don't know. But Paul says there is a, um, a dullness, hardening of their hearts until the fullness of the Gentiles have come into the kingdom, into the fold. So why is it, this is important for us to understand what Paul is saying here and what the rest of the Bible through all the apostles teachings and the epistles teaches us about what's happening right now in our time. God is grafting in Gentiles from every nation, tongue and tribe. But there is something with ethnic Israel 
that I don't have the time to try to unpack. I just like, but I do understand this, that it's a part of God's unfolding redemptive plan. And that is important for us to understand and what Paul is teaching us here from this text and what the overall Bible is teaching us. So I want to give three things just for us to really focus on to encourage our hearts here. And then we're going to be out the way. When you understand the unfolding redemptive plan of God. And focusing in on the unfolding redemptive plan of God. It will keep you. And I believe this is all my heart. It will keep you from being deceived by all the false gospel messaging coming to into your ears each and every day. Because there are so many false gospels out there right now. I mean, there are too many to even try to just try to pick apart here today. But once you understand God's unfolding plan, that God is about his plan in saving the people. So when you understand that, it keeps you from not getting caught up in Joel Osteen's theology. What's Joel Osteen's theology? It's all about your life. Your best life. God says it's about what I have decreed. I want the Gentiles to come in and my way of getting them saved is for Christians to go about making disciples. You can't convert, but you got to open your mouth. <laughs> you can't open that blind eyes of the spiritual, but you can say who Jesus is and what he means to you. So it keeps you from just being lured into, man, I'm going to get my house. I'm going to get my prosperity. And God say, what about me? What about my story? I don't know, God. <laughs> it keeps you from that. Second thing it does, it will keep you on mission as a Christian who have been saved by grace by the grace of God, for the glory of God. It will keep you on the mission of God. What's the mission? Dion spoke about it. Which leads me to my third point. When you understand the, the unfolding redemptive plan of God, when you really understand it, therefore you will be like Paul, single-minded, on mission for doing one thing of making disciples by word and deed, teaching the people to obey all of what God has commanded. Remember the Hebrew word Pasha, rebellious ones, did not want to come under authority. No, I'm over there in my life. I'm the captain of my ship. God says, okay. Christian life, in a nutshell, is coming under the proper authority, which starts with the creator of the universe, God himself. See, look what Jesus says. He's not missing words. He says, all authority is in my hand. But in the name of Jesus, you will. He says, all authority is in my hand.
The human heart, the human heart in the rebellions of the human heart is not to be under any authority. This is why Jesus did not miss words. He said, go into all the world and teach them to do what? Obey. 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 Obey what? All that he has taught in his word. What people do with their bodies. What they do with the what they do with their bodies, what they say out of their mouths, how they treat their brothers and sisters. The whole counsel of God. That's true worship. That's what we were called to do. That's really. You get in front of God and God's going to hold us all. That's all I really God's going to be looking for. Were you about making disciples? See, the reason why I don't have to talk about death, we're all smart enough to know if we keep living. I'm 55. Let's say, let, let me go. Let me just pick 70 years in the room. So for the little babies in the room, where will most of us be? Huh? 70 years. How many of us will be still alive on the earth? Not many. So I shouldn't have to tell you that you know death is coming. That should not be a, a subject of debate whether you're like, are we going to die or not? Unless Jesus comes back. That shouldn't be a debate. When you understand the unfolding plan of God, it keeps you single-minded on the mission of making disciples by word and deed and teaching people to obey all of what God has commanded. In a few weeks, we'll have our first official worship service in our new building across the street. And God has been very gracious to us. I was asking God, so Lord, you know, you've raised a lot of money. You've trusted the hearts of many people. For what purpose? For us just to have a nice building? God said, Alter, you ought to know me by now. <laughs> I said, Lord, I'm just asking the questions. I can tell the people. <laughs> I kind of know, but I have to preach it. <laughs> so <laughs> for what purpose? So we just have a building. I believe one of the main reasons that God has provided this building to us. Because one of the things that we hear over and over again, by the grace of God, it's not because we're better than anyone else. But we're, I'm trying my best, even preaching like this, trying my best. That we stay committed to making disciples here in Fairfield. Making disciples. I hear it from our donors all the time. They said, we love the fact that you are committed to making disciples. That we are committed to giving our lives away for walking with people. Though many Christians all around us still do not understand that this is the mission 
that you and I have while living upon this earth is to make disciples of the nations. And when God said the last Gentile comes in, that's it. But only God knows that. That's not up to us. But we are to be about making disciples. Every decision that you make as a Christian should flow out of the great commission of making disciples. Here's what I mean. Every job you take, will that job allow for you to be a discipleship maker? I hear people just get up and move and just take a job. It don't work like that. Your life is for Jesus Christ. Pray where he wants you to go. Pray where he wants you to work at. Don't miss Sundays on the Lord's Day. That's an important time. God says, do not, do not come together like some people have stopped. Stop coming together as some have done. God says, come together on the Lord's Day. Encourage one another. That is not a playful thing. You fight. The world is getting more secular and secular. It doesn't care anything about Jesus. Man, when I started growing in the faith, first thing God says, I had to trust the Lord. Any job, and I was not a pastor. I was not a minister or anything. If they had me working on Sundays, I turned the job down. Why? Because I know without being in the church on Sundays on the Lord's Day, I couldn't be encouraged. I couldn't grow. And therefore, if I would have not trusted God then, I couldn't trust God now. So I said, no. Can't do the Sundays. Got to be in church. Got to be able to pray with the brothers and sisters. I need to be strengthened. I need to be encouraged. I need the fellowship. Otherwise, if that is not the case, then I don't know what God is talking about because that's all I see in the Bible. So I said, no, I can't do it. So you need to pray about every job. Business that you want. That you have. That you want God to endorse. And you need to pray about what place of worship that you go where you give your time and all your resources. Does that place allow for you and encourage you to make disciples? Are they encouraging you to make disciples? Or is it just doing church? We're going to the book of Acts. Which is where we're heading next. For the next study of our Bible, for this reason alone, it's all about discipleship. God taking the people of God and scattering them all over the world. And that's how that gospel has gotten to you and I. And I end here. What's at the heart of discipleship? What's at the, really at the heart of it? Some of you might you think discipleship is really um, Something that you have to just do just outside of you. You know what the heart of discipleship is? It's its essence. If I were to ask any of y'all to come up here now who's a Christian, there should be two or three things you should be able to say without having to even pray about it. Who were you before you met Jesus? What were your thoughts like? What kind of person were you? Were you a faithful person? What did you do with your body? Were you a liar and a cheat? Were you a whoremonger? 
All of us should have some kind of story like that. Not, not, not as, as devilish as others. Some of us are real, really, was really, really devilish. Some of us were light devilish. <laughs> you know, we, we sinned just a little bit. <laughs> Some of us, we broke the scale. But nevertheless, we all have a BC. And then the next question you should be able to answer, if you're trying to tell me and you say you're a Christian, then at first, if I'm a, I'm a hula, I'm a hood dude, I'm a goon goon, got gold in my mouth, I'm looking at you, you know, I'm grinning. And I ain't never seen you. I don't know who he is. What has he done for you? Right then, you don't need a microphone. Say, Mr. Goon, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> it don't have to be a goon. It can just be anybody. Be the guy with the business suit on. It's the business office. I'm glad you asked. And you just start testifying. That's discipleship. When you're meeting with people, We've all been messed up before we got the mercy of God. Before I met God, I was an alcoholic. Before I met God, I slept with anything and anything that moves. Before I met God, I was out of my mind. I didn't have no confidence. Before I met God, I was messed up. But in God, faithful, committed, a giver, give my life away for people. But before, I didn't do that. I may have been poor, but I still didn't give my life away for people. It's Jesus Christ who makes us new people. So when you testify and you're discipling people, you're basically, that's what Paul says, I would dare not speak of anything that Christ has not done through me in faith, in, in word and deed. What has Christ done in you? What has he done in your life? Has he made you a better wife, a better mother, a better husband, a better son, a better daughter? Has Christ done anything in your life? You should be able to communicate on a snippet to a person who hasn't had any idea who Jesus is. See, here's what's happening. Why are people not making disciples? You can't really help other folks come under the obedience of Christ if you're faking a funk. That's why people don't do it. Well, I want a book. Because <laughs> all discipleship is is coming under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you're not really trying to do it, how are you going to tell someone else to do it? So what we do, we just like, man, I know I ain't, I know I ain't living right, man. I That's what's happening. But here's where God's grace shows up again. Someone texted me this morning, and I end with this text. Not going to give you the name of the person, but we all know him. And he's never texted me anything like this since I've known him. And uh, he texted me. He said, Pastor Hardy, um, he said, man, you don't know this. He said, but 
I'm just watching you from the sidelines. And he said, I know of people, churches, in so many ways, your tenure here um, didn't trust you. Wasn't, wasn't on your team. They didn't thought you was talking out of the side of your neck about what God was, had called you to do. And they were not on your team. I would particularly say, I would think they were against you. Your name would come up, nah. He said, but I want to tell you, a lot of those people that were on the other side are now coming on inside of your team. Uh, maybe they saw the building, Mike posted it or something, I don't know what it was. He didn't go into that. He said, but, he said, um, we're so encouraged. And he said, you don't know this, but you've encouraged a lot of young men and helping us to, to really walk by faith, trusting God. And he said, man, I don't know if you, you need to hear that or not. And um, you know, I choked up. And, you know, you know, I try not to go in the building as much because I don't want it to mean it's not about the building for me personally. Because you cut me open. It's always been and will always be about discipleship. Buildings come, buildings go. But humans are eternal beings. And so I never wanted to get caught up in the sound systems. And some of y'all were not there in those early days and they were, were tough, yellow chairs. I had to do all the work, set it up, close it down, had no air condition, had no sound system. And you know the thing about it, I was sharing this with Brother Quest. The same way I'm preaching now, I preached then when it was only five people. When it was 10, I studied the same. I never tried to give leftovers. And God in his, and there were a lot of times on that journey, I wanted to quit. I would be, be lying if I didn't tell you that. It's a lot of lonely days. Saying the same thing over, getting doors shut in your face. And that person has been around long enough to see it. And he was just like, man, that it can't be nobody but God. And to walk in that building last yesterday and to see obviously a better sound system, all of the everything. And what's driving it? I never talked about a building. God had to put the building on me. God had to send people to me to even get me to start to believe for a building. And what the guy said, he says, people are starting to see that this man is truly about trying to chase down people for the glory of God. That's my prayer for all of us. I think time is short. I think the days we're in are gonna get worse. If I can encourage you with anything, be about talking to people, your friends, your neighbors, your lost loved ones, 
whether you're in the restaurant, in your home, on the phone, sharing with them about who King Jesus is. People are dying daily. We don't know when the next day, when, when our names will be called. But Jesus has been telling us over and over again, as we see the storms, the hurricanes, the uncertainty in the market, the food shortages or whatever it is, lack of workers, what's happening at the border, we ought to be about making disciples of people. Do not get caught up in this world, it is passing through. If you can focus in on that, I believe it will keep you from being deceived by all the false gospels that are happening all around you. Trying to say, oh no, it's not going, it's going to change. No, it's not. Let's pray. Father in heaven, your Savior, your God who, your God who has come into this world to save people, and you're here tonight. You're setting the table for us as we prepare our hearts to move across the street. Father, I pray that we don't get caught up in the accolades of a new building, but that we stay committed and knowing why it is that we exist to be a missional community devoted to making disciples of Jesus who are confident of their true identity in Christ in Fairfield and beyond. Come Holy Spirit, empower each of us to begin to pray about two or three people daily, asking that you would open their eyes and their ears that they would hear the good news of the gospel. May it be loved ones, friends from colleges, our neighbors from across the street, from Miles College to Fairfield High School, and those who walked up and down these streets and byways and highways. Lord, may you prepare us as a church as people have given the hundreds of thousands of dollars for a building. And they say you're encouraging us to be about discipleship. And Lord, I pray that we do. Come and fill us up now with your Holy Spirit. Help us to get over our fears of talking to our friends and neighbors. Help us to know our own story. Help us to be able to communicate it. Help us to be able to say what we were before you came into our life, how we didn't have no peace, how we were this and that. But now, because of the mercy of God, we are presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable and pleasing to you. So, Father, we pray. Be with us by your spirit. This we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Brother Dion, make your way up here and just have the people stand and just give a prayer. Make it short. And so I'm going to make my way to the back. Hallelujah.